I know some of you are probably a little concerned coming in when you got the uh, sheet that is normally a half page of uh, information for our sermon notes and you got a full page. Don't worry. Um, we're going to still get you out before midnight, so it's going to be all right. Praise God. No, it's just, uh, just a lot of information. Some of it is going to be for your reference. Uh, I wouldn't keep you to midnight because I get hungry before then, so. I did have breakfast, though, so. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We know that as we get into your word, um, that your word will uh, guide us, uh, direct us, give us strength, empower us, uh, shape us, mold us into your image. Uh, uh, You are the potter. We are the clay. And may the things that uh, your word declares over us and in us be performed today. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. How many of you have a why in life? Some of you are looking like, why what? (laughs) It's like, and and that is a common uh, thought process there. For people to say, why, what? You know, a why is your motivation. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, If you don't have something that moves you, it's easy to stay in bed. If you don't have something that uh, moves you, it is easy to not be motivated to do anything. Um, And... uh, I started thinking about that for the church. Um, this last couple of weeks, I've been going through some uh, different uh, pieces of material that have really challenged me in this whole process, this whole thought process. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I figure if God's making me wrestle with it, I'll give you something to wrestle with too. So, um, you know, share the load, right? Makes it easier when we're all wrestling with the same thing. And so, uh, you know, but. I was starting to think about the why that uh, motivated different leaders in the church to do what they did. Uh, the why that caused people to want to, um, to serve God. Uh, the why that made Jesus do what he did. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be different in some aspect for each person, but I think today we can come to maybe at least one piece of it that can be consistent for all of us. How many of you think you are a people person? Six of you, all right. Um, (laughs) So the rest of you would rather be isolated by yourself and never talk to another person. So uh, COVID's been great for you. You never have to leave the house. Um, you know, you don't have to get out of your jammies. You don't have to talk to anybody. You know, well, I'm going to put the message away. Then we're probably done. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to put the message away because this is for you. Um, um, you know, we, I'm a people person in some ways. And yet, I love more so now. Like when I... When we first got in ministry, I had a house right in the center of town, two minutes from the church, because I was psychotic. I mean, I was at the church 10, 12 hours a day some days, uh, 
And if I wasn't at the church, I was with people from the church doing something. Um, we actually lived next door. It was funny. Our house was right next door to the Baptist church in town. Our park, their parking lot was literally right next to our house. And so we, we were blessed with using their parking lot frequently, and they blessed us to do so. Um, and then we developed a lot of close relationships with their people. Um, because of it. And, and then we served at some of their functions, was, which was pretty interesting um, to have the Open Bible Church serving, you know, um, the pastor serving at the, the Baptist Church functions. Um, but we, we just felt like we could be a blessing when it, we didn't have anything going on and they needed someone. And, and it was during a time where I just I had this drive inside of me that I was never doing enough. And so I was always I was always doing something with the church, and, and I am, I praise God that my family is, you know, where they're at, because, I mean, there was a lot of abuse in that, you know, they had, you know, the church was always part of their life everywhere. We had people that were in our house, you know, at all hours of the day and night. Um, it was part of, you know, who I was, you know, that I just had this com- Compulsion to be with God's people, and and I loved it, and and for the most part, my family did. I'm say for the most part, you know, it's not always, you know. I mean, you guys might find it hard to believe, but sometimes you're not always lovable that people want to be around. Is there anybody else out there that will agree with that? Okay, <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Ryan stood up, so I'm just kidding, right? Um. But this whole thing about being a people person, um, I didn't grow up around a lot of people. My father kept us isolated, probably because we broke everything, and he didn't want to have to buy it. We were a pretty rough group, you know, four boys, one girl. And so because we were, we were not the nicest kids in town growing up, um, my dad just chose to never really let us leave the house, and so... Um, which saved the community probably. Um, but when I got on my own, I started developing this new sense of wanting to be around people. And, and it's because I was hungry for real relationships. And, and really, that when it came down to it, that's what it was about. I was, it wasn't people, it was relationships. I wanted authentic, sincere, real relationships. And I was always looking for those connections with people that would be something that would challenge me, that would take me to a different level, to a different place. And the more I got into the Word of God, the more I realized that Jesus was about connecting with people and these types of relationships. He was about being effective at navigating relationships to the point of taking them to a place that they never thought they would ever go. See, Jesus knew his why. He knew when you know your why, it's easy for you to do what you do. And, and because I didn't understand really the why of Jesus at that time, and I didn't understand even my own why other than this compulsion to be engaged with people, 
I was always trying to have more and more relationships. Not really relationships. I was interested in having more and more people around me because I thought that's what it was about. But I missed so many key pieces because I didn't understand at that time that it was about the deep relationships that I was craving. Now, here's one truth that makes it possible for us to be involved in the work of people. Jesus loved people. You know, if we, if we had to narrow it down for Jesus' ability to connect with people the way he did, he loved people. Now, if we were to connect really, now this is painful, okay? Can you put your, your big boy pants and on and big girl pants on here for a minute? Um, one of the problems of the church is we don't always love people. And that's what prevents us from being effective at times in touching people. It's like we don't love them. Um, and I say it with a recognition that I have been guilty of these things myself through the years because I intentionally choose the people that I want to be around. How many of you do that? You choose, there are people you've said, well, I will not be hanging out with them, or my children will not be hanging out with them, or we've made those statements, right? And who did Jesus hang out with? Well, you're going to get into that in a minute. But Jesus loved people. Actually, I've got several passages for you here uh, that we're going to go through. But uh, John 3.16 is the most famous one for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We love because he first loved us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Greater love Greater love has no man than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Um, so Jesus loved people, and he loved them so much that he gave his life for them. And this just touches the, surfaces, the surface on many of the passages that, that really encompass the love of, of God, the love of Jesus for people. And see, and I believe at some point we have to come to the understanding, we have to come to the same understanding that Jesus loved people and passed that responsibility on to us. Okay? We have to love people. Now, here's the thing. He didn't say you have to like them. Do you realize there's a difference between love and like? <laughs> you know, um, there are foods that I do not like. And I do not eat them. Now, I can love the fact that it is food. <laughs> and, and in a desperate moment, I probably could eat it, right? But if I don't like it, I typically, you know, just don't eat it. it it's not that I, I go out and I have this huge campaign that tells people not to eat this. Um, I don't know, liver and onions probably fits that. I would probably, you know, if I had, that was the worst thing that I ever had to eat growing up was liver and onions. Is anybody else in agreement with me? I, like, I would be coming home from school. This is a side note. This is not going to further your life any. But I would be coming home from school, and I'd get off the school bus, and it dropped us down literally at the foot of the hill of our house. And I could smell it cooking. 
liver and onions is one of those things you can smell from a long ways off. And I knew it was going to be a rough meal. Because we grew up in a time where there was one meal fixed, and you ate what was put on the table, and there were no options. There was no customization. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you could just pick up. Um, you ate that food. If you were going to eat that night, you ate whatever was served. And uh, that was, those were rough meals when I could do that, you know. I don't, I don't eat that way anymore. Praise God. But, see, we have likes and dislikes all the time. But, see, God says you need to love people. Now, you might find it hard to believe that there are days that Nancy and I, my wife, you know, for those of you who are visiting with us, um, we don't always like each other all the time. I'm, as contrary to some of you might believe, I am not always easy to get along with. <laughs> as you could tell by me working so many years and so many hours in the church. But my wife loved me, and so she served. You know, she... I love people, so I just had to be around them. And so my wife, my wife who also loves people, she took, she took on many of the burdens that I operated under to support me. That's because of who she is. She didn't always like it. She didn't always like me in those moments. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, there is such a deep love for each of us that we've continued to work together and grow through those things. And I can tell you that 99% of the time, we like each other even. It's a very small percentage now. But, you know, when you're first married, it's easy to just like them because, you know, you've really not got to know them deeply yet. And then you realize... Really, so you're never going to pick up your clothes. <laughs> so you're never going to actually rinse that dish before you put it in the dish drain. See, that's a huge one for us. <laughs> my wife gets on me frequently because if she's overdoing dishes, I walk over and just set my dirty dishes in her sink. She's like... You were supposed to rinse those first. It's like, well, isn't that what the dishwater's for? Well, no, then it gets my dishwater dirty. And so I hear about it, and it's like, see, those are things where I aggravate. My mindset is different. When I wash things, everything goes in the sink. I don't rinse things. That's like, that's what the dishwater's for. When it gets dirty, I empty it and fill it back up and do it again, you know. It's like, but we have differences of how we approach those things. We have to learn to love people the way Jesus did. If we are going to be effective in the church, we have to operate differently. See, I, I'm not telling you that COVID evolved in COVID, but what I'm telling you is that there was an enemy more involved in COVID than what we recognize because one of the things that God said is that we shouldn't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And one of the things that this virus attempted to do in our society is separate us, isolate us. Do you realize that the number of mental health issues in the last two years has multiplied at a huge rate because people were isolated and they struggled because they missed that connection that they needed. 
And sometimes they didn't realize, they didn't recognize they needed the connection. But when it was cut off, then their lives began to be in this deficit, and then they were really struggling. So we need people. God created us to need people. When he said in the beginning, it was not good for man to be alone, not just because of all the damage that he can do in the house. Um, it was because he needs the relationship of a, of a wife. I do. I can tell you that I am not a good person to be without my wife. I need her all the time. And because of that, I intentionally make my life around being involved with her as much as I can. That's my choice. Getting back to the message that we'll never get done with all these passages. Jesus loved people and passed the responsibility on to us, and this is evident in several passages. And we're going to quickly breeze through them. Matthew 8, 22, Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury the dead. Now, that's a hard one. We're not going to get in the depth of that passage. But Jesus wanted us to follow him. Matthew 9, 9, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his own, save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 4, 18 uh, through 20, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, uh, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, and they were, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to them, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Mark 1, 16 uh, through 18, uh, again dealing with Simon Peter from the book of Mark. Follow me. Mark 2, 14, follow me. Mark 8, 34, follow me. Mark 10, 21, follow me. Do you see a theme? Luke 5, 27, follow me. Luke 9, 23, follow me. Luke 9, 59, follow me. Luke 18.22, follow me. John 1.43, follow me. John 10.27, this is an important one. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you see what Jesus is trying to communicate to us? That there is this following process. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. John 21.19-22, follow me, Jesus said. This is a very important one, and this one really helps solidify some of the thought process. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me. Okay, so not only are we, is there this requirement from Jesus to follow, but also to imitate him. And if Jesus loves people, we should love people. First Peter 2.21, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And then it emphasized again this imitator piece out of uh, Ephesians 5.1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
See, there is this, this theme woven throughout the New Testament, throughout the Scriptures really, of us needing to be followers of God, followers of Christ. See, the, the thing is love God, love Jesus, and do what Jesus did. You know, we were good at wearing the jewelry, the WWJD jewelry that was out, you know, at least when I was, you know, growing up, that was, you know, later 80s and 90s, that was really popular. Everyone had WWJD shirts and bracelets and necklaces. And they were asking the question, what would Jesus do? But if all we ever do is ask what would Jesus do and we never actually do it, why are we wearing it? At some point, we have, to, we have to move from talking about what Jesus would do and actually doing it. Because he's commanded us to go and do it, not to talk about what he did. In order for us to accomplish what God has called us to do, we must learn to love people. We can't, we can't do what Jesus has called us to do if we don't love them. Because even as we talked about last week, the need to get down and get dirty with people in the midst of their life, in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of the junk of this world, you will find it difficult to do that if you don't love people. Why would anybody get in the mess of somebody else's life if they don't love people? It's like, you know, here's the truth. You know, we have a nursery ministry. We love our nursery ministry. Constantly growing, which I love. Last week we had six toddlers in there. Some of these toddlers are just learning their first days of being away from mom or dad and sitting in, in church or with, by themselves in the nursery. And so last week was, um, it was a precursor to hell. It was screaming and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Now, if you've never served in a nursery, you may not understand that. Um, But last week, um, there was two or three of them that it's like they were rebelling against this thought process that they had to be away from mom or dad. And they let everyone know at the top of their lungs. And... um, So last week we went from two people working in the nursery to five people working in the nursery. Now praise God, we had people quickly fill in and 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 it was a it was a wonderful experience. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. But you know what? You're not going to sit in that if you don't love people. You know, I part of my my wife and I and I'm going to say this again. This is my passion. My wife has come alongside of me, and we're doing this. But on Wednesday nights, to make sure all of our, peop- our teachers are able to be present in their classes and to help, my wife and I run the nursery ministry on Wednesday nights, just the two of us. Now, I have no issues with it. I love kids. Um, and screaming doesn't bother me, you know. I just tone it out, you know. And, and typically, I can get them not screaming within a short period of time. I'm not bragging. God has given me a great gift. It might have had something to do with 11 of us living in a two-bedroom house. Um, so, I mean, I've been gifted in those areas. And uh, not everyone can do that. And, and not everyone is comfortable picking up kids in the midst of their mess. 
And when they have a dirty diaper, then that changes the world for some, especially many guys who say, I am not having anything to do with that. Now, I've had four of my own children. I have four grandkids. I've been a pastor for 30 you know, plus years. I've changed a lot of diapers. So I'm not afraid of diapers. They don't bother me. So we, t- we do whatever is necessary, and, and we can talk through it all. But see, that's where loving people is important. The truth is, if you're not a person who loves kids, I really don't want you in the nursery. Because those kids are going to know you don't love them. You know? Um, if you don't love kids, I don't want you working in kids' church. Because you know what? They need to know that you love them. So here's something that you're going to have to learn to love people. Because if, if you're going to come to church, you're going to understand in a very short period of time um, that God wants you to do something because I'm going to help you realize that. Because if you can find a passage in the Scriptures that says it's okay for you just to come and sit in church and do nothing, point it out to me. Because my word says that you've all been given gifts for the benefit of the body of Christ, to serve. So you have a responsibility from God to serve in some areas. And we're not going to shove you in an area you're not gifted in. We may train you in an area. You know, we're always needing greeters. I I want you guys to know that I am so thankful for Isaac and for Kevin and Kyle. Um, You know, they, they serve at the door. It is a very rare occasion that, that Isaac is not there. He, he is just, he's taken up that, that call, and then he's always got Kevin or Kyle uh, normally with him. And so, um, but they greet people, and they're friendly, and they talk to them, and they're engaging, and all those things. I love that aspect about what they do at the front doors, greeting people. That's important. You want someone who is, is friendly to be greeting people, right? <laughs> You know, we, want, we need people always. We do need workers to serve in kids' church. We need workers to serve in nursery. We need workers to serve with youth. Um, there's, there's always something to do that involves serving people. We've got this outreach starting up here in a few weeks where we're going to be reaching out to the soccer fields and, and four, six different times. I'm not sure the total number yet, but we're going to go down and we're going to feed whoever wants a hot dog and a bottle of water, and we're going to be involved in the ministry with people. And then we're going to engage them. We're going to have a prayer piece set up at the the shelter so that if people come and they need prayer, we're going to pray for their needs. Um, But we're going to be involved in their life in an area. This is one area of outreach for us that is coming up that you can sign up. And um, Isaac is is heading this up for us, and I appreciate that. but we're going to be starting doing that. This summer, once the basketball kids get back over here, we're going to have opportunities for come and serve water. I mean, we've got this basketball court and this park right next to us. We're going to use the places that are already part of who we are, and we're going to just reach people in, in different ways. But we get, we, you're going to have to engage. You're going to have to talk to people you don't know. And it's going to be easier to talk to people if you love people and you want to And you understand why Jesus did what he did. He loved people. If you don't love people, you've missed the primary message of his book. (laughs) We might have to reread the Bible. (laughs) Or 
if we haven't read it yet, let's start there. Because it's going to direct you to the, the reality that Jesus loved people. He loved them so much that he gave his life for them. God loved people so much that he sent his one and only son for them. And then not only did Jesus love them, he spent his life with them. So what kind of people did Jesus meet? What kind of people did he connect with? What were the encounters like? Who initiated it? What happened in the conversation? These are some of the things, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's 1130. I don't know if I'm going to get through all this today. It depends on how much um, uh, I elaborate. And, and I don't want to rush through it, so it may be a two-weeker, okay? But Jesus connected with people that others ignored. He, he connected with broken people, sinful people. As a matter of fact, Jesus hung, on, hung out with sinful people so much that it disrupted the thought processes of the religious leaders. It bothered them. Sometimes it bothers the church when they see their leaders, their people hanging out with some of these. Sometimes, if we're truthful, if we're honest, rather than engaging these types of people, these are the ones that we talked about last week that we intentionally avoid. We walk around. We steer our path to where we don't go near them. We, last week, we talked about the Good Samaritan and, and how he, you know, all these different people, as they encountered this individual who had been beaten up and left to die, all these other people intentionally avoided him. And the Good Samaritan, who was really a person that, you know, this Jewish person and this, good, this Samaritan, they didn't mesh together. They didn't hang out together. And yet the Good Samaritan intentionally reaches out and he touches this person. He takes care of him. He binds up his wounds. He, he pours in you know, oil for healing. And, and then he takes him to an end and he provides for him whatever he needs. And he leaves money to make sure he's taken care of. That is where God is directing us to reach people that we don't always like. But we can love them because of what God has done inside of us. We can love them because we know the why comes out of, I want to serve Jesus with my whole heart. And I want to be an imitator of him. See, my why flows out of this constant need for me to be in agreement with my Savior. And that's a challenge. Because that means I have to set aside my own desires, my own wants at times. Have any of you ever been in a hurry going somewhere? You intended to run into a store, pick up something, and quickly get out of the store? And then a divine appointment happened, is what I call them. A moment that someone stops you to talk. And you're thinking, I am not getting out of here quick. 
And I have a choice to make in that moment. I can say, listen, I don't have time for this right now. And we may, we may disguise it in a different way <laughs> of how we say it. But we're, we're basically saying, listen... This is not important to me right now. I know you may have a need, but I really am busy, and my busyness is more important than your need, because that's what we're saying. And that's hard. It's ugly when you, you know, have it pointed out to us like that, but you know, I'm not here to be your best friend. Now, you do understand I'm very much involved in relationships, and I want, you, I want the relationship with you. But my relationship with Christ mandates that I be honoring him first. And so you can't be in that position. So I have to be true to the word of God. And, and God's word says we have to confront things in our life that prevent us from fulfilling the mission that we have been given, which is to follow Christ and be an imitator of him, which means that we need to learn to love people. In order for us to accomplish and fulfill the mission, not only that God has for the world, but God has for this church, we have to learn to love people differently that are not always going to be lovable. So when we begin to look at the life of Jesus, especially through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which gives us the greatest picture of Jesus and how he interacted with people, we're going to see some very simple things about who we interacted with, who initiated it, why it happened, where it happened. And it's, it's not necessarily to say, well, this is how it's always going to be. What I'm trying to give you a broad picture of is that there is not any one place or person that God could call you to reach out to. But you have to be sensitive to the voice of God. And that's why the scripture where I pointed out that he says, my sheep know my voice. You have to learn to hear the voice of God. I can't be the voice of God for you all the time. Now, I am a, a small voice of God in that I am called to declare the Word of God to you, and in such I am becoming the voice of God to you in a, in a small piece of time. In this hour and a half window of time, maybe of that, maybe I get half hour, 45 minutes of that time that I get to declare, to proclaim the Word of God in your life. But outside of that 45 minutes, even if you come on Wednesday night and you get another hour, that leaves a lot of time <laughs> that you have to learn to hear God's voice for yourself. And it's our job, according to the Scriptures, to help equip you for the work of ministry, to prepare you to live a, a life that is honoring and guiding you to a place of being successful as a believer in this world that God has called you to live. So today... Not all today, over the next two weeks, let me just phrase it that way, that way I don't scare you, because it's 11.38, and I probably haven't covered but six scriptures. So, I probably more than that, I didn't count them. But. There are over 40 different meetings that Jesus had with different people in 
the Gospels. So I'm, going, I'm not going to cover all 40 of them, but I'm going to talk to, uh, to you about a few of them. The first point is, who started the conversation? Who started the conversation that Jesus was engaged in with the people? In nine cases, Jesus initiated the conversation. For instance, the Samaritan woman in John 4, 7 through 42, um, Jesus initiated and he, he said, give me a drink. She was at the well to get water. Again, this was a difficult time because Samaritans didn't talk to Jews. And Jesus was asking her for a drink. You can get in the depth of the story. It's a beautiful story. Um, but we're going to leave it there. He said, give me a drink. He also engaged um, the crippled beggar in John 5, 1 through 15. When the, the beggar came to him, Jesus uh, said, would you like to get well? Isn't that a good question that, you know, someone's sick that you ask him, would you like to get well? Do you, do you know that some people don't want to get well? That they intentionally walk in a level of sickness because it draws attention to them? Yeah, it's, it's a hard place. But Jesus, that's why Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? I mean, let's be honest, this beggar, he made his living right now. Um, from people coming by and helping him out. And you, you might think, well, why in the world would anybody want to live that way? Look at every street corner that you drive around almost today and there's someone out there that is begging for some money. And if you stop and ask them, would you like to get well? You're probably going to get a different answer from every one of them. Jesus wasn't concerned about their response. He just wanted to know what their heart was. Do you want to get well? Jesus did a miracle in his life because he wanted it. In 25 different instances, uh, it was the other party that initiated the discussion. See, Jesus responded to other people's questions in different ways. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 30. He says, uh, teach, the, the rich young ruler came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's a great question. He was not ready for the answer. The demoniac, Mark 5, 1 through 20. Why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high. In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. I mean, the demoniac was even praying in the name of God for Jesus not to torture him. Jairus, a synagogue ruler, in Mark 5, 21 through 43, my little girl is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. The hemorrhaging woman says, if I can... Just touch the hem of his robe. I will be healed. See, each one of these conversations were different methods that people, either Jesus connected or Jesus responded to a connection. Some of them were 
third parties. They, they came about through different um, people saying, Jesus, how are you going to handle this situation? The tax collectors and other sinners um, invited to a party by Matthew in Mark 9. 9 through 13, and it says Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, how many times are we going to invite a bunch of disreputable individuals with a bad reputation? We're going to invite them all to come to dinner with us and we're going to invite the pastor over. It's like, yeah, you guys are going to get it now. Jesus responded to those things in a different manner. Nathaniel invited by Philip in John 1, 45 to 51. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. These individuals set up opportunities for someone else to connect with Jesus. See, that's what you do when you bring someone to church. You know, you are being that third party, bringing someone into an environment that you know they're going to encounter Jesus. An adulterous woman brought by the scribes. See, this was a different situation, John 8, 1 through 11. The Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Their their goal, their place, their intention was that this woman was going to be humiliated. Now, it's always interesting, they only brought the woman caught in adultery. But you know what? There have to be two people. And, And these... Religious people brought the woman caught in the adultery. And Jesus did not respond the way that they wanted. And so that's where we're going to stop for today. I I have a lot more, but I'm afraid if I get into the next, I'm just going to get on a roll. And I don't want you guys to miss this because I believe there are some very important things. So for some of you that have already filled in the next several blanks because you, you are people that do that, we will get to those next week. So bring your papers back. Um, but um, here's the thing. Jesus looked for opportunities to connect with people. We have to have the vision to see. How many of you have ever gone to an eye doctor before and got a new prescription? Um, many of you are, you know, have been here a while. Um, up until last year, I've wore glasses forever because of um, my vision. I only have vision in one eye, and um, and it was such it was pretty significant loss of vision there that they didn't make a contact that addressed my my full vision issues. Um, and they do now. And so last year, um, they said, well. We actually have a, a contact, that, a multifocal lens contact that can do all your vision issues. Depth, closeness, mid-range, it can address it all. And they said the brain somehow is able to adjust 
and looking at the different portions of the lens to find what it needs. And I have no idea how. Don't, I'm not a medical professional at all. I don't try to explain. I just know what God did is amazing. And so I was able for the first time in my life to quit wearing glasses, which has been the greatest blessing in the world. For anyone who's, you know, you know, sweats a lot and plays sports and you know, you know, your glasses are sliding everywhere, you're out working and it's like, yeah, eliminating the glasses was the greatest blessing of my life. But I also recognized that in order for me to get, I had to go through multiple changes uh, or trials to find a lens that was the right fit so that I could see clearly everything that was there. See, I didn't realize that some of the lenses I was wearing gave me the ability to see something, but not everything. And, and it really was a great picture of the church because some of us can see portions of the picture, but not everything because our lenses have not been fully focused on what we're supposed to do. And that comes back to our why has not been fully addressed. We haven't come to that place of being on board with being full imitators of Christ. See, it's not important that you be on board with every person that you know, it's not, that you be in agreement with them. It's important that you be in agreement with God. With the Word of God. See, if you, are, if you are in agreement with God and the Word of God, you will never have an issue with Living a life that honors God in every area. Because see, if I'm in full agreement with God, I will always love my wife the way she needs to be loved. If I am in full agreement with God, I will always love my children the way they need to be loved. If I am in full agreement with God, I will always love people the way they need to be loved. And that, that is our calling to love people. And the only way we can ever do that is to not focus on making sure that I'm in alignment with Anthony and Karen and Isaac and Gabriel. No, it's not about making sure that I'm living my life to make sure these people are happy. It is I am living my life to honor God and in so doing, these other relationships happen in a very natural way. I don't have to put on something with them. All I have to put, do is what Colossians tells us is to put on Christ. To clothe ourselves in righteousness, in the things of God. And so when we do that, the relationships that God sends us into to be part of happen more naturally because it is God working in us and through us to reach other people. And so that's where we're going over the next, at least next week. Now that I have another week to pray, I may add to it. So it may become, you know, like six months, you know, me on a series, I can get going on them. But here's the thing. I really want you to understand the why of Jesus in serving people was because he loved them. And I hope that through this time, you will develop a new love for people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. That you love us so much that you gave your only son. I can't even imagine what you endured in sending your son 
to people that you already knew would abuse him, mock him, and eventually kill him. You knew it already. You know all things. You know the beginning from the end. And yet, you were willing to send your son because you love people. And Jesus, you knew also <laughs> what you were going to endure. But you endured it because you love people. And your goal and your desire was to honor the Father. And so you went and served and loved people in the way that God directed you to do it. And I am so thankful that you did that. My life today is different because of your interaction. And your Holy Spirit came and chose to reside in people because the Holy Spirit loves people. So much so that He wants to see the full transformation of their lives to be in, in lockstep with Jesus. And so today, God, we thank You for all that you have done to make it possible for us to walk and be imitators of you. I pray your blessing on each one here that over this next several weeks that as we engage this, as we dig into it, that we will go deeper into the truth of your word on how to connect in real relationships with people because we love them. Be with us in this time, Lord, we pray. Amen. Praise God. At this time, um, we're going to wait upon you for our morning tithes and offering. If you are visiting with us, um, there is a visitor card in front of you. Please do fill that out. We would love to connect with you, as I have said. You know, I am into relationships. I'd love to reach out to you and just... Uh, Check on you, see how you're doing, and uh, if you uh, are a mobile giver, there is also, we have a mobile app through Breeze. Um, if you're not using our Breeze system yet, some of them were, some are still on our, our previous Easy Tithe system, um, please transfer over that, that Easy Tithe system is going to be shut off here in the next several months. Um, and so we want to make sure everybody gets transferred over to the Breeze giving system uh, that we're utilizing now. And so please do so. If you, the information's in your bulletin or you can ask somebody and uh, we can get that information to you as well. So I uh, just want to remind you also, Miss Meredith, go ahead and stand right there. And before we... Is food involved? <laughs> Not that I'm a woman, but I'm just, some people will ask, is there food involved? They will have food. Isaac.
Perfect. We won't want any buns until the Saturday before, <laughs> or the, even the, you know, that morning. Yeah. So on the, on the concrete um, uh, base out there, right uh, before you go up the steps upstairs, uh, there's a sign-up sheet if you want to be part of any, whether you want to come down and serve, you want to be part of the planning. Um, whatever area, please sign up on there. Um, we, we're going down the Sackett Wright Park, which is, if you're not familiar, you just keep going down this road all the way through town, and on the other side of town, you'll see a huge park um, right off to the right, and that's where all the soccer and football fields are for all the, uh, the small kids stuff, you know, and so it's a, it's a great time, unless it's a downpour and that those fields flood, um, They've done it as long as I can remember, but that's all right. They, we're going to go there and minister to people, and it's going to be in a, um, the area um, is a sheltered area, so we'll be able to be there in a nice area, um, and then from there, we'll walk out and, and go to different areas and just invite people to come um, when they're done with their games and get a hot dog, so we'll create some little things to hand out just to let people know, and we're just doing this to serve people, so all right. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we pray your blessing on this offering, uh, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your kingdom. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people, for your provisions through the something amazing that we've gone through over the last several years, and we thank you that you are in the midst of doing something amazing right now. Um, We just ask your blessing on these things in your name. Amen. When the ushers go by you, consider yourself dismissed. Also want to just remind you to keep Pastor Nancy in prayer. Um, We're still trying to figure out all the things going on. Um, She'll possibly have gallbladder surgery uh, for removal of her gallbladder next Monday if everything keeps moving. She's got several more tests. Uh, They know that is an issue, but there may be other things that need to be addressed before then. So uh, lots of prayers. She's miserable um, a lot of times because there's just not much that can bring relief to some of the areas of pain that she's dealing with. So keep her in prayer. Also, Paul Newman, uh, kidney stone issues, um, several people that are still struggling with some sicknesses. Uh, my, my grandson, Jonathan, uh, who uh, has just had continual sinus issues for some time and just pray that God would bring healing to his body and And so just some of these different things. So God bless you. Love on one another.